This is Inside Friartown with Providence College Athletic Director Bob Driscoll. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Inside Friartown podcast with Bob Driscoll. I'm your host, Mike DeMars. Joining me is the namesake of the show, heading into his 19th season as the Athletic Director at Providence College, Mr. Bob Driscoll. Great to be here, Michael. I know the 2019-2020 season has already begun here in Friartown, but let's briefly talk about some of the highlights from last season. The teams that stand out in my mind are the Frozen Four run by the men's hockey program and also the postseason run by the women's basketball team. Yeah, I, I actually thought we were going to win the national championship last year. We're fortunate to have, I think, the best coach in college hockey and Nate Lehman. And, um, you know, the team that we lost to obviously went on to win the national championship, but it was a really great year for us. And if you think about it, that's six years in a row we've been to the NCAA tournament, which there's only one other team in the country that's ever done that. That's Denver. And uh, the fact we've been to two Frozen Fours, won a national championship, won a Hockey East championship, really speaks volumes to the work Nate has done and also the commitment that the college has made to uh, the hockey program. I was just down the rink the other day, and it looks as good as it's ever looked. And I think we're going to have another successful year this year. So really blessed to have uh, Coach Lehman in Friartown. And Coach Crowley and the women's basketball team, they hosted three NIT games here in Friartown. What a great experience, especially a couple of the seniors, Yo-Yo Nogic and Maddie Jolin, getting to play three more postseason games at home. Yeah, Coach Crowley has done an amazing job and um, you know, just really exciting to finally see that program turn the corner. And uh, if you look at the work he did at St. Bonaventure, there's no question that he'll replicate this at Providence. And our goal is to to win the Big East Championship, make it the NCAA tournament and go as far as we possibly can. And I really think that under his leadership, we have the opportunity to, to, to make it similar to what the men's basketball program has done. I know that you've been working hard on a strategic plan for this season. Would you be able to give us a little sneak peek? This is our third strategic plan here in Friartown. And I think the timing of it is really ideal because we've done over $100 million worth of athletic facilities, which uh, is as nice as any in the country and uh, have some of the greatest coaches, I think, in the country as well. We always wanted to make Providence College a destination and not a stepping stone, and I think we've accomplished that as well. But we want to play a bigger game right now. It's it's bigger than winning championships. It's about creating student-athletes that are going to be great scholars and great citizens and great athletes and ultimately graduate and go out and help change the world in a, in a positive way. Now, that doesn't diminish the fact that we want to make sure every student-athlete graduates. We're graduating 90 uh, 2% of our student-athletes have a GPA of 3.2, which is pretty amazing when you consider they're, they're also student-athletes. Um, but the goal is also to win championships. But we want to be the model program in all of, all of college athletics. Uh, we've talked a lot about our vision about being the most respected, 100% graduation and compete for championships. And I think we've, we've achieved that. But now how do we build on it and use sport to teach them the core values to be great, great human beings first and foremost? And I know we're sitting in the beautiful Ruane Development Center, which is just coming up close to its one-year anniversary of opening last fall. What's the plan for phase two? What's next here in Friartown? Well, it's really cool to be sitting in this facility because it shows you what's possible when you actually think big, have a vision, and actually have people who want to support that vision through donations. You know, I think the next phase for us in athletics is to do what's called phase two, to connect the Friar Wayne Center to Alumni Hall to the student um, service area over there and create this really cool bubble that will pull it all together. Have a street down there that's kind of like Friartown, 
way. Uh, we would renovate the, the old men's basketball facility and make it the new women's basketball facility. And then on top of that, hopefully create a student uh, academic center or a lounge, if you will, where students can congregate, can study, can interact with uh, each other. The goal is also is to renovate a lot of the offices in the alumni gym and bring it up to this particular standard. But that'll be the last finishing pieces of that. Um, we're hoping to do some of the work this summer. We're in the design phase right now. We've got to raise the money to do that. But I'm hoping it'll be completed within a couple of years. Um, the other big piece of the puzzle that we're hoping to create is to put a bubble on one of our uh, AstroTurf fields out there. You know, a lot of the uh, springtime sports get uh, hampered by the weather that we have here. And having a bubble on it would not only help all of our spring sports uh, programs, including the soccer programs, but it would also really impact the quality of life for our general student population, given how difficult the winters are here. I think if we were able to create those two uh, components, um, I think we'll have some of the nicest facilities in the country. And since you've been here in Friartown, there's been upgrades to every athletic program and facilities wise. Is there one or two projects that you feel the most proud of? Well, I think this one is the signature uh, facility so far. As they look across the hall, you look at this innovation lab, which is doesn't exist at any other campus in the country. I mean, having meditative rooms and sleep pods and uh, you've got the cryogenic machine. We're partnering right now with Brown University to create a mindfulness institute, you know, because a lot of um, being successful in sport and life starts in your mind, right? And so to be able to teach our student athletes how to bring the best of who they are during stressful moments, I think that will really be a, a separation for us. So I think this facility is is the signature facility. But if you look around at all of our facilities, the hockey rink, the lacrosse, soccer stadium, the track, alumni gym, I mean, every single, the brand new tennis courts, I mean, every single facility is world-class, including the softball facility. The other thing that people forget, I think sometimes is that 10 years ago, we helped renovate the uh, Dunkin' Donuts Center. It was a $100 million renovation, and we're still tweaking some of the things down there as well. So, you know, I tell people all the time, you have one chance to make a first impression. And when you look at our facilities, uh, when young student athletes come in, they know that we're serious about being really a championship organization. And what have you heard from either prospective athletes or alumni about the facilities that we've put in place here in Providence? Well, it's been transformational. I've been blessed to be here for 18 years at a time when we didn't have any of these facilities, and yet we had some success. But to see the look on the face of former student athletes that come back, even guys and that are playing in the NBA or they're playing the NHL, and they say these are nicer facilities uh, than that they have at the pro level. It's kind of a it's kind of a cool uh, feeling to know that, and it gives you a sense of pride. And I think everybody on the campus when they walk through here, they it feels like a big time environment. You know, we're the smallest school in the country playing in two major conferences, and to have facilities like this, it's just a testament to the commitment of the college towards you know being successful. Coming up later in the episode, we will discuss the changes to this year's late night mass event and an old rival coming back to the Big East. But first, I sat down with head coach of the women's soccer team here at Providence College, Mr. Sam Lopes. My guest is in his sixth season as the head coach of the women's soccer team at Providence College. In his first five seasons, the Friars have recorded five winning seasons and have made the Big East tournament each year. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Sam Lopes. Coach, thanks for taking the time today. 
Pleasure to be on. And coach, your team has adopted the mantra of we, not me. Could you explain the genesis of that mantra and where it came from? Yeah. So I think obviously it screams volumes about being more team orientated, family. Uh, we want the, the, the star to be the team. What it really means is although we are coaching a team sport, we're really managing and developing individuals under the confines of a team uh, setup. So we really try to focus on the growth of the me, uh, not just on the field, but also in the classroom and at the game of life. And if we can help the individual develop into a better version of themselves every single day, they can do their job a bit better for the greater good of the group. And that's where the we, not me came from. And we put a lot of emphasis on developing the me so that we can enjoy a lot of success collectively. Now, Coach, you finished your non-conference schedule with two thrilling overtime victories, one on the road at Texas and the other at home against Northeastern. And the team has shown tremendous amount of resiliency so far this season. Is there something that this year's team has taught you? Yeah, they're very inspired. Um, but the, the two biggest things that I've taken away is um, they really don't care who gets the credit it for the success and they generally care about each other in all aspects on and off the field and um, I think when those two things come together um, and you certainly have a team that's talented it's a good recipe for being successful more often than not um, and there's just a, a unique bond about just staying the course staying in the moment embracing the journey and then see where where we end up uh, when it's all said and done. Now, you mentioned after the last game against Northeastern, you were happy with how the team stuck to the game plan, even though it faced a little adversity early on. Yeah, I think, you know, we haven't lost in overtime, knock on wood. We certainly don't want to be playing many games in overtime. Um, but there's uh, a sense within the group that we just got to continue to play the next play to the best of our abilities. Uh, don't chase goals. Don't chase wins. Um, you know, as you know, we're a process program. So we're really committed to fueling that process with controllable behaviors. And if we do that, the results will be a reflection of how we invested and owned our own process, not only individually, but collectively as a group. Um, and I think the overtime games have been a reflection of that. And finally, as a former goalkeeper myself, I need to ask you about your goalkeeper, Shelby Hogan. Once again, she's off to a great start to the season. Yeah, she's she's arguably the best goalkeeper in her class across the board. Got an enormous amount of talent, uh, a presence in the goal, a difference maker for us uh, in the net. And I think we're starting to see the true growth of Shelby because uh, early on in her career, she made a lot of those highlight reel saves, but now she's doing all the little things with organizing the group, her communication, her ability to play out of the back with both of her feet now, and she's evolved as a leader. Uh, so she's slowly becoming a complete goalkeeper at an elite level. And uh, we know that certainly she's going to have to be at our best day in and day out to put us in the best position to be more successful uh, within our matches. Uh, there's a level of belief in, in her, uh, not only from our coaching staff, but from her teammates. Um, she's laser focused this year for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know, we're certainly going to benefit from her ability in the goal going forward. Always great to hear from Coach Lopes. Now I'm back with Athletic Director Bob Driscoll. 
Another new item for this year is our Late Night Madness event being held on Saturday, October 5th. This year, it will be at the Dunk for the first time. What can fans expect? Well, I'm hoping it's going to be sold out. I hope the fans are going to be excited about John Legend. And is it Boogie with the hoodie? A Boogie with the a hoodie. A Boogie with I need you young guys to actually coach me up on that. <laughs> but the idea uh, resonated because the alumni gym is too small. It only seats 2,000 people, and we've never been able to get all of our students there. And uh, obviously that created some hard hard feelings. We've never been able to get our season ticket holders there. And it's also a weekend where we have um, homecoming. So the idea behind it is let's create this great event for the homecoming folks, bring out our men's and women's basketball program so they can celebrate the start of the new year. And, you know, these two um, artists are, are famous and um, hopefully it will create uh, a great environment. Obviously a big part of it is about recruiting. We're going to have a lot of our recruits from all of our programs down there that night. And it's another example to showcase what a special place Friartown really is. And uh, I'm excited about it because our, our teammates here are taking a risk to do this. I mean, it's real easy to do something and sell out 2,000. But if you can get down the dunk and sell out 10,000 uh, fans, it's going to be a pretty special night. Well, one of my personal favorites is Red Panda. Have you ever seen Red Panda perform live before? I've never seen her live. I've seen her on um, on TV. I, I think she was on America's Got Talent once, but the skill set to be able to do what she does with those plates is absolutely crazy. So I think that'll be pretty exciting for our fans as well. What have you heard from some of the other coaches uh, on campus? Or how excited are they about this event this year? I think they're really excited about it because, once again, it shows Providence College doing things at an elite level. I'm not sure there are any other programs in the nation that has tried this at this level, maybe the Kentuckys or the Louisville's, but uh, certainly no one in the Big East has taken it to this particular level. Uh, it helps them with recruiting. It certainly helps with our fan base getting down there as well. And the students on campus, you know, to put a, an event of that magnitude on it, it, it just helps with the social life around it. And I know our, our men's and women's basketball players are really excited about it you know after the um event they get to you know get their their selfies and their pictures with those two great great artists and um it's just a it's a special it's be a special night in friartown and there's tons of events going on we have a hockey game going on there's other athletic events how big is this for the university to have this kind of as the crown jewel event for the homecoming weekend i think it's important it's one of the great values of having a really successful athletic program because it's it's kind of the fabric that holds it together. You know, when there are alumni from all over the country, if not the world, when they can turn on their television and watch, you know, men's basketball on a national uh, television with Fox Sports, it creates a connection, an emotional connection. And then when they come back on campus and they can get in a facility with 10,000 people, go to a hockey game and go to other events, it just creates a community bond and esprit de corps, if you will, that I think really makes Friartown very special. I know I'm looking forward to late night madness. You're looking forward to it. And we have our first hockey game of the season that night as well. Nate Lehman and his crew take on Maine and we're looking for a sellout there as well. Yeah. Season tickets have gone very, very well. The students have been really, really supportive. And with all the uh, new amenities we have at the rink, um, I think it's a great, a great fan experience. And, you know, I was with Nate yesterday and um, he said he's had some of his former players come back to play uh, practice with the team and they're, they're pro players. And he said, the pro guys don't look much different than his regular team. He doesn't know whether that means the pro guys aren't doing very well or our team is pretty good. It's a little bit in between, but I think we're going to be pretty successful and I'm really excited that we're going to have a hockey game during that weekend. With the news breaking over the summer that the UConn Huskies are headed back to the Bees Conference, 
Bob, we're going to need the inside scoop on how that all went down. But first, I spoke with Friar Hall of Famer and national cross-country champion, Keith Kelly. And now we are joined by a Friar legend. He was the 2000 NCAA national cross-country champion, a two-time academic All-American, and a five-time All-American. He was inducted into the Providence College Athletics Hall of Fame in 2013. It's Mr. Keith Kelly. Keith, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. I, I, I think uh, Ray Tracy's best accomplishment is probably getting me to be a two-time academic All-American. Take us back to November 20th, 2000, Ames, Iowa. What do you remember about that day? I remember everything. I, I remember everything crystal clear, to be perfectly honest, Mike, because it, it was such a monumental day for me personally, but also for our team. Uh, we set a goal very early in the summer that we had been, you know, we felt like we had been underperforming, underperforming for Ray, underperforming for the people that came before us at Providence College. And we knew we had the talent to make a mark. So we decided as a team to encourage each other to promote a very positive environment, to spend our summer in Providence and to train exceptionally hard, be very focused, disciplined, and follow Ray's word uh, to the letter of the law. And we did. When you fast forward six months, me winning the title individually and the team finishing third against some big, big schools with big, big budgets, like the, like the University of Colorado, University of Arkansas, and Stanford, it was you know a real testament to the goal setting that took place six months prior. Now, from what I read, it was a cold day that day in Iowa. What were you feeling before the race? Yeah, I think the the fact that the conditions were were you know not optimal actually played into our, our hands. Some of the favorites of the race, one guy particularly, his name is David Kamani, who has recent since passed away, but he he had won the year prior in Indiana. And the Kenyan runners typically don't do well in very adverse conditions. That's not to say all of them don't do well. The Kenyan runner was second. But once it was really cold, I knew that at least we had a chance. You know, sometimes when you come from the Northeast, as our season's starting to get colder, we're training in colder conditions. And then suddenly you arrive in, like, say, Arizona or Florida for an NCAA championships. And the conditions are so different. It can be tough. We arrived in Iowa and it had been cold in New England and it's really cold in Iowa. And we were a bunch of, you know, Irish guys, English guys and New Zealander. And we were like, this is, this is good for us. This cold is good for us. So we had to sit in the van. Our warm up was cut short. Ray applied olive oil, uh, you know, using, using futuristic technology back in 2000. We rubbed, <laughs> olive, oil. We, we rubbed olive oil all over our legs and face and 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 so on and so forth and and other teams saw us doing it and they were kind of getting in on the olive oil action just just to give us a layer of protection against the cold because it was really really bitter the wind chills were in in the negative teens there was flurries of snow but i i felt like a warmth inside because i was like we're never going to get a day like this that's optimal for our strengths we had been I consider ourselves to be a very tough team. You know, we trained in in suboptimal conditions in the month prior. We would, you know, go out in the mornings in the rain. We didn't have the best of gear. So, like, we were just kind of a tough, ragtag group of guys. And and the cold weather 
gave us a little bit boost of confidence, to be perfectly honest. Now, you mentioned that you're from Ireland. What made you decide to come to Providence College? Well, I think as a, as a you know, as a runner in Ireland, the, the opportunity to do age group competition after secondary school or, or high school is, is non-existent, really. You, you go from being a junior runner to a senior runner. And I loved the concept of the NCAA. And, and of course, Providence College has had a rich tradition with Irish runners uh, all the way back to the 60s, 70s, and, and, and including John Tracy, who is the kind of first Irish athlete that I would have been aware of, along with Eamon Coughlin, who ran at Villanova, and Marcus O'Sullivan, who also ran at Villanova. You know, so I was definitely aware of Providence College and aware of Villanova as in the 80s as a, as a kid. But then it was really in, into the 90s when Mark Carroll was like breaking records in Ireland. He was a Providence College grad. And I, I got to go down and see him do a workout in Cork and meet Ray Tracy as a junior and I really liked Ray. I felt like Ray would look after me and, and do what was best for me. If, if things didn't work out on the running scene, I you know, felt like I would be comfortable in a smaller university that was closer to Ireland and that had a tradition of Irish runners. So I met Ray and that was really, that sealed the deal. And what, what have you been up to? Uh, it's been a little while since you're here at Providence College as an undergrad and a graduate student. Yeah, you know, I, I made lots of mistakes on the running side since... Uh, Providence, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky being focused and disciplined and doing all the right things when you're listening to lots of people around you telling you what to do. And I made some mistakes on the running side for sure, but I also got myself caught up in an injury cycle and an injury cycle, meaning one injury leads to another injury leads to another injury. And you never really treat any root cause. And ultimately my body just stopped wanting to run. I still had an engine there that that was fit enough to run, but I just I couldn't string together a few months of training. So I eventually had to kind of hang up the 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 spikes, so to speak, and and give up on any dreams of going to the Olympics and and get a job, which I did. And ultimately, it was a really good decision because my body still hasn't improved. I still have had a tons of knee surgeries and, and lots of injury problems. But I managed to get myself into the athletic footwear industry and got a job with Reebok and worked at Reebok for about six years before moving over to New Balance, where I've been for the last eight years in various different roles. And I'm currently the brand manager for running specialty at New Balance and absolutely love it. Love my job, love the people I work with. I still work in the running space so I can be as involved with it as I want. But right now I'm living in Park City, Utah. I live out here because my girlfriend got a job out here and New Balance uh, have allowed me to stay on board working, doing my job remotely. So I'll be here for a couple of years at high altitude. So I'm still plugged into the running scene and still follow the PC fires. And hopefully this year they're going to have a good year. Speaking of the friars, when are we going to see you back in Friartown? You know, I, I was speaking to Arthur Parks yesterday, and I do owe it to myself to get back down. I haven't been in a couple of years. I will be back on the East Coast uh, for Thanksgiving, and I'll be around for a full week. So I think I'm going to get down during that period. I love going back to the campus and seeing the improvements. The, the track is amazing. I definitely want to get back this year. I'm back with Providence College Athletic Director Bob Driscoll, and there was some big news from our neighbors to the West this summer. The UConn Huskies are leaving the American Athletic Conference and coming back to the Big East. 
for the 2020-2021 season? Are we excited to have the Huskies back in the Big East? Well, I'm I'm personally excited because being part of the old Big East and when UConn came to town, it was a premier event, total sellout. It's a big rivalry. Obviously, they have one of the best brands in all of college basketball, certainly the best brand over the last 20 years with four national championships in there, you know, under an hour away. So I think it it's really great for the competition. Uh, our goal is to create the best basketball conference in the country and adding a program like UConn, I think really helps us. Uh, I know our good friends at Fox Sports were excited about that. You know, I think for us personally, it's um, it's a good thing. It'll, it'll, it's raised the bar for us. Obviously, we go head to head with recruiting with UConn, but if you want to be the best and our goal is to win a national championship, then you have to play the best. And and I have gotten nothing but really positive responses from our fan base because at the end of the day, you want to you want to play big time college basketball. So I'm I'm really excited about it. I know the other ADs in the conference are excited about it. And it's just another testament that the Big East continues to grow and develop and get get even better. Going back to 2013, when the decision was made to kind of split the Big East, kind of the new Big East, and then the football teams making the the AAC conference. What was that decision-making process like? Was it a tough decision to try to move away and, and stay basketball-centric and move away from the football schools that were in the conference? You know, I don't think it was a tough decision as we were losing more and more of our traditional rivals. And it was they were adding um, programs that not, were not basketball-centric. The decisions were being made on, on football. It really started to hurt the basketball brand. And we, as athletic directors on the basketball side, really started visualizing what it could look like if we went kind of back to the future. And it was a confluence of events where Fox Sports was, was looking to expand into college basketball and an elite level. And uh, we wanted to protect where we were going. So, you know, the presidents and the ADs made the decision to kind of go our separate way. And it turned out to be absolutely the right decision. You know, having been at a football school at the University of California, 85 to 90% of your time is spent on the football side of it. And you have to because it's such a big revenue. But one of the reasons we like what we where we are is we can spend all of our time and energy on creating, you know, a national level basketball conference. And then you see the three schools that we brought into the old Big East, uh, getting at the 10 and Villanova winning two national championships. And now with UConn coming back, you know, I think it's as good, if not the best basketball brand in the country. And when you go to recruit student athletes, you can simply say, hey, we don't have football. You're going to be you're going to be the kick dog on, on campus. And I think that goes a long way to actually building the program. So I think it's a win win. Absolutely. Now, the decision to make the the split was obviously, you know, seven other schools were leaving the the previous conference going into the new conference. Were there any discussion with the school, the football schools were how did they feel about it? They feel like, you know, where they, they feel like they were losing out on losing these schools and making their own conference. Or was there any um, not backlash, but was there any concern of those those other schools? Well, um we were pretty forthright in terms of what we were going to do, that we were going to do what was in the best interest of, of the basketball programs. And all of the, all of the other schools that were in it were really focusing their decisions based on football. So um, I'm, I'm not sure because we didn't play football that it was a big loss to them, but it certainly was a big loss on the basketball side. So I can't say that everybody was probably happy about it from that perspective, but a lot of the programs coming in didn't have any history 
in the Big East, and and uh, the American Athletic Conference has done well with their football programs. Um, obviously, it's not considered a Power Five conference, so they don't get the kind of resources that the Power Five conference conferences get. Um, but I think we needed to do what we needed to do to protect our basketball brand. And and the reality is, we didn't start the dominoes, right? The schools started leaving on us, and they were adding programs that I didn't think were in our best interest. So. Um, I think it was an amicable breakup, and uh, I think both programs have done well. Now, having UConn back in the conference, is MSG still going to be Providence South? Or are we going to have to <laughs> are we going to have to jar with the Husky fans a little bit for domination down there? Well, it's going to be even a tougher ticket. Last year, we sold out every session, and UConn comes in droves, which is great for our relationships with Madison Square Garden. We we just signed a another ten year deal with them, which is I think really 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 popular for a lot of folks. So, but it'll be a, it'll be a different environment, but that's good. You know, it'll be a tougher environment to play in and uh, it'll drive ticket sales. And we just got to get more Friar, Friar town down there, right? We got to get the whole state down there, which, you know, I think with Ed as our leader, we've got a lot of great fan base. So that'll be, it's, it's not the numbers. It's who's the loudest, right, Michael? Absolutely. Always. Now, before we go, I have to get your take on one thing. How good do the new England Patriots look right now? Oh, it's kind of scary, right? I'm just blown away as somebody who went to the Patriots in the early 60s to see how a guy 42 year old, years old is better now than he was when he was younger. He's defining uh, what's what's possible with human performance. But you get the best coach and um, I think the history of the NFL, you've got the best quarterback in the history of the NFL, probably one of the best, if not the best fan bases and beautiful facilities. This is rarefied time. And I keep preparing myself. Well, this is not going to go on forever, but it, it continues to seem to replicate <laughs> itself. And it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool stuff, Michael. That's going to do it for our first episode. Special thanks to coach Lopes and Keith Kelly for taking time to speak with me. And thank you, Bob, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yeah. Thanks for all your great work. And remember as always go, go Friars. Friars.